Good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is. Let's just feel good. Amen. How many people are glad to be here today in the presence of the Lord? Uh, just recently this week, somebody asked me how I was doing, and it just came out. I said, I'm 10 times better and 100 times stronger. And I said, where did that come from? And I remember in the book of Daniel how it says that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, that they were 10 times better than their counterparts. And I said, I'm just going to embrace that for myself. So how are you? I am 10 times better and I'm 100 times stronger because God's favor and grace is on us. Um, I am honored to be here with you all today and I enjoyed the worship. Uh, put your hands together for the worship team. There is nothing, there is nothing like anointed worship. I'm not just talking about good music. I'm talking about anointed worship. And we're grateful for them. I'm glad. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm Dr. Ashley Cross for being here with me this morning and our newborn. Uh, we actually have four daughters. Our oldest, we adopted our oldest daughter when we got married. My wife started a girl's home in Oklahoma, one of the first girl's home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And our oldest daughter was a part of her ministry at Manor House. And when we got married, we adopted her and brought her to Rochester with us. And so I am a girl dad all the way through and through. Uh, I was praying that God would give me another opportunity for a boy. But my wife says, yeah, we are done, done. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. I'm not the one who has to carry. I'm grateful that God ordained women to carry the babies and not men because this earth would not be populated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are just grateful to be here and we honor the legacy of this place. You all are a part of a great legacy and th there's beauty in having history, but there is comfort knowing that there is a future. And you all are a part of the future of this place as you are being equipped, empowered, and prepared to take the truth of Jesus across this globe. And I believe that this is an ordained time of the Lord. We're going to get into the word, but several um, um, months ago, earlier this year, um, I was sharing it with Dr. A. I was in prayer and just fasting and preparing for 2023. And as I was praying and fasting, the Lord brought Elam um, across my heart in prayer. And I was like, Okay, Elam, I've never been. This is my first time stepping foot on the campus. I've never been here. And the Lord began to speak to me about what God wants to do on this campus. And oftentimes, we're so close to the campus. We're here. We're here day in and day out that sometimes, and it's no indictment, we lose the awe and the wonder of what the Lord desires to do in us, through us, and on this place. And as I began to pray into it, I um, came across Pastor Phil and we had lunch and he was like, brother, I am an Elam guy. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. He said, you have to meet Dr. A and have lunch. And we had lunch and lo and behold, we are here. And I believe that God does not make any mistakes. I don't believe in accidents. I believe that the Father has something in store for you today. I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbor just a few times, not too much. I just want you to look at your neighbor, look them in the eye, and I want you to declare to them that God has something in store for you today. Come on, come on. Use your voice. God has something in store for you today. I believe it. It is so. Amen. And I feel like I'm at home because this is a place where the Spirit of God can move freely. Let's get into the Word. I'm going to be coming um, from the book of Luke, um, the sixth chapter today. I'm going to be coming from the book of Luke, the sixth chapter. And I'm actually going to start 
at the 12th verse, and I'm going to reverse engineer this message. I'm going to start at the 12th verse. I'm reading from the ESV version. Amen. <laughs> Good stuff. When you have it, say, I have it. If not, say, wait on me. I love to see paper Bibles in the place. Amen. And if you got your smartphone, go ahead and open up that Bible app. Let's read. It says, and in these days, he, meaning Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. What did he go to the mountain to do? He went to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. He called his disciples to him, the 12 whom he named apostles. There was Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor." May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And I'm going to tag this message, Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for you. Oftentimes, many people go through life not fully being seen or known. We venture and we navigate through this world trying to answer the, one of the most important questions of life is, who am I and why am I here on this earth? Why am I here on this earth? The beautiful thing about it is that we don't have to just, 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 just um, walk around or wander around aimlessly because we have access to the God of all creation, the creator of all that we see and know. And when God created you, he had a purpose and an intent for you. Aren't you glad that God didn't make you by accident, but he made you with intent? When God brought you into this earth, remember that like he said to Jeremiah, before you, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. I knew your purpose. I knew your frame. I knew your makeup. I knew your flaws. I knew your strength because I made you. When we came into the earth, God had a purpose for our lives. When you came, even before you decided to enroll to be a student here at Elam, God had already known that you would be here preparing to be equipped and to live out your calling, your ministry, and your destiny. God is not a general or a vague God. God speaks with specifics. God knew you with detail. God knew the very, he, he knows us so well that he, don't, he doesn't only know how many hairs you have on your head, but he numbered the hairs on your head. Come on. I don't care how many times we read that and we hear it. It still blows my mind that when you wake up and hair number 2053 falls out, he says, oh, that was hair number 2053, hair that fell out. That is how detailed God knows you. How many people are glad that God knows you? But that's not even the best part. He knows you, and he still chose you. Have you ever got to meet somebody and, and just in, in the first few formalities, you're like, wow, that's a really 
cool person. Like, yo, she's like, she's really good. Like, she's a nice person or he's really down to earth. And that initial, that initial uh, introduction was really good. But the more you get to meet them, the more time you spend with them, the facades come down and the mask comes down and you get a little more comfortable with the individual. And now you start to see the person for who they really are. And in the beginning, when they would call your phone and their name came up, you're like, oh, I have to hurry up and answer that. But after a while, their name would come and be like, uh, ignore, don't act like you don't do it. <laughs> don't make me feel like I'm out here by myself. Because the more you get to know the person, you realize that the individual you met in the beginning was just a representative and it was not truly who they say they were. But God knows the depths and the details of your life and he still chose you. God knew the flaws, he knew your weaknesses, he knew your barriers, he knew your inconsistencies, and he still chose you, and he still loves you, and he anointed you to do the work of the ministry. You are named, you are known, God chose you. And what we see here in the book of Luke, the sixth chapter, this is six chapters in. This means that the disciples had been walking with Jesus for a, few, for a few weeks, for a few months now. They had been seeing miracles. They had been seeing Jesus doing the work. He calls his disciples. He cleanses the leopard. They see him cleansing the leopard. They see Jesus healing the paralytic. They see Jesus doing all of these things, these miracles, these signs, and these wonders. And then we get to the sixth chapter. If you go to the beginning of the sixth chapter, we see that on the Sabbath, Jesus and, his tw and, and the disciples, you have to be mindful, it didn't say in the 12, it says in the disciples, because how many people know there were more than 12 disciples? There were more than 12 disciples. He sent them out two by two. He had the, he had the 72. He had the, 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 he had the massive crowd. He had the 70. He had the 12. And he had the three. So the disciples were all with him in the beginning of the sixth chapter. And he's going in there. They're hungry. They're eating the wheat. And he's talking about how the Lord made the Sabbath for us and not us for the Sabbath. And then we see in the sixth verse, here's another miracle. It says, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at all of them, he said, stretch out your hand. I'm so grateful that God still will work miracles even in the midst of people who are doubters and would rather see you lame and crippled. But Jesus says, I am still going to demonstrate my power because it's not about those who are around you. It's because I desire to see you made whole. I'm glad that God wants me whole. And I'm glad that there is not a day of the week where my wholeness is off limits. He says, I will heal you on a Sabbath or I'll heal you on a Monday. I'll heal you on a Tuesday. It does not matter the day of the week. It says that Jesus says, stretch 
out your withered hand. And it was in that moment that the withered hand was healed. God is still doing miracles today. God is still healing the sick. Yes, God is still even raising the dead. This is why you are here. You were called for such a time as this to remind the world that God is not dead. He is still alive. Somebody come on and put your hands together if you believe it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So it says that Jesus rose and he says, stretch out your hand. And his hand was healed in that moment. So the disciples saw all of the miracle working power of Jesus. They were experiencing it firsthand. But do you not know that Jesus did not come into the earth to solely do the work of the ministry by himself? While Jesus is in the earth, Jesus is not only our teacher, but he is our example. Jesus is our what? Jesus is our example. So after he healed the man with the withered hand, now we get to the, our, our reading for the day. We get to the 12th verse, and it says, In the days, in these days, he went to the mountain to pray. He went to the mountain to do what? He went to the mountain to do what? He went to the mountain to pray. We cannot discount the ministry and the necessity of prayer. I feel his glory rising up on the inside right now. You cannot deny the importance of prayer. He went up to the mountain to pray for something very specific. He was not praying for his next miracle. He was not praying for where he should go next. Jesus was praying about who he should bring close to him. If you're going to be praying about anything, you need to be praying about who's in your circle. Because if the devil, if the enemy cannot distract you internally, he will try to find an open door via your relationships. It says that Jesus, and he didn't only pray for a few minutes, y'all. He didn't, this is in the line where he says, could you not tarry with me for an hour? It says he prayed all night long. He prayed all night long, and then after he prayed and got some clarity from God, it says he called the disciples up to the mountain with him. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he would name apostles. Why am I emphasizing this? After he prayed and got clarity on who was to do the work of the ministry with him, now all of the disciples were, had access to see the work being done. We understand that he had the masses following him, and they were listening to his teachings. They were aligning their lives to the truth of the kingdom of God. But he says, these 12 men I'm going to bring close to me so that they can see another perspective that the masses won't see. I am so grateful that we get the opportunity to see Jesus up close and personal. This is not a Jesus that we have to have a mediator to go through. This is not a Jesus who is all from a distance, but I'm grateful that he sits and lives on the throne of my heart, that I can know him for myself. I don't have to lean and depend on the testimonies of others who have come before me. Though the testimonies are great, though they are amazing, I get to experience Jesus firsthand. Aren't you glad that he's a Jesus that will give you an experience? 
This speaks to the fact that we can still experience the same Jesus today, but then the, that, uh, the, the, the same Jesus today that we read about in the Bible over 2,000 years ago, because the same miracles he did back then, he can do those same miracles today, because he is still alive and well. Slow down, cross, slow down, slow down, slow down. What do you mean he's alive and well? Do you not realize the moment of salvation when you gave your life to Christ? The spirit of Christ now lives on the inside of you. Are you aware of that? I'm sure you are. You are aware that the spirit of Jesus lives on the inside of you. The spirit of who? Jesus. I'm not talking about some other idol God. I'm not talking about a new age spirit. I'm not talking about the energy in the earth. I'm not even talking about the universe. Why would we worship the universe when we can worship the God who created it? The spirit of Jesus lives on the inside of me. Come on and say that with me. The spirit of Jesus Come on and say it like you believe it. The spirit of So in essence, what are you saying? I'm glad you asked. This is what I'm saying. That Jesus is living life through you even in this moment. Jesus' ministry is still going forth in you, through you, and for you. He has called you. He has anointed you. He is preparing you to do the work of the ministry. It says, after Jesus prayed all night, he called his, all of his disciples up to the mountain. Hundreds of disciples came up to the mountain. But there were some details that Jesus got in his time of prayer. He understood the ministry would be intense. How do we know this? They said, Jesus, where do you live? He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have it anywhere for his head to lay. How many of you would sign up for that type of ministry? You don't even have a house to lay your head in? He said in prayer, I, God, tell me who are to be my 12, those who are walking with me, these who I would name apostles. And it says out of all of the disciples, he began to specifically name or call out the names of whom we would know to be the 12 apostles. He called out Simon. He called out who he named Peter. He called out Andrew, who was Simon's brother, and James and John, and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas the Iscariot. Why am I going over these names specifically? He says, and he named them apostles. Because Jesus prayed, and God says, these are the 12 I want you to pick. How many people know that Jesus is still praying today? The scripture says he is forever making intercession on our behalf. He says, these 12 men, I'm naming them apostles. They're going to walk with me. They're going to live with me. They're going to sleep in the same room I sleep in. They're going to see me in some of my most vulnerable moments. But these are going to be the men that turn the world up 
upside down. These are going to be the men that carry on the miracle-working, wonder-working power of Jesus in the earth. Henceforth, I am going to call them by name. I am going to equip them to do the work. I am going to let them see me as I am, and then I'm going to send them off to be kingdom ambassadors in the earth. I want to stand here to tell you today it is no different. Jesus was praying and he named you to be in bed to be an ambassador of the kingdom in the earth. He named you, he knows you, he prayed for you, and he says, I'm going to put you in position so that you can be equipped to be salt and light in the earth. Let me tell you something. The moment I realized it is fitting in is overrated. Fitting in is real overrated at this point in time. Everybody is doing the same thing. Everybody looks the same. I, and I want you to write this down because I want this to be your testimony. I, this is what I've come to the conclusion of. I am too anointed to be anonymous. Mm-mm. Let me say it again. I am too anointed to be anonymous. God anointed you. He put God ability on you. This is why you're here. You are a salt carrier. You are a light bearer. Hallelujah. How many people, how many is this, is this resonating in your heart? You are salt. You are light. And he's sending you into the uttermost parts of this world. You are too anointed to be anonymous. God has marked you to do great deeds, signs, wonders, miracles in the earth. Yes, you feel like you may not be known, but God prayed, he ordained, and he prepared a seat just for you. Somebody say, it is so. What happens after Jesus names the 12? If you go down further in the sixth chapter, we see Jesus, he starts to minister to a great multitude. And these 12, now they are on their ministry assignment. They are in their, um, what do you call it? They are on their ministry internship. They had just been appointed as the 12, and now they are they're on the job learning. They are feet, boots on the ground. They have to get ready to work. They are working. They are called. They are anointed. And could you imagine these 12 who were just a part of the other massive disciples, but now they have specific responsibilities. They have specific assignments. And the, now the masses are there, and they have to be mobilized to do the work. Hallelujah. I believe that this is a day and hour where God is not only equipping you to do the work, but he's preparing you and mobilizing you to do the work. You are carrying God's glory in the earth. Get away from the script for a second. I believe by the Spirit of the Lord, as it was in the days of old, where we would testify of the great deeds and wonders and miracles that flowed through Elam, it will be as it was. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord says that the latter glory is greater than the former glory. It does not mean that we don't appreciate those who came before us. I've met great men and women that have, tra that have traveled through the ground 
grounds of Elam ministry, and they are literally doing global ministry. They are impacting lives. They are impacting people. But God has an unusual anointing on this generation. Why? Because you all have to be mantled to handle a different level of darkness. You all have to be, you have to be cunning. You have to be sharp. You have to be harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent. Because this level of wickedness that the world is wrapped in, it's just different. Since it's different, we got to be different. Are you hearing me today? While I was in seminary, I remember I was sitting in the class writing a paper. It was a church planning class, Doc. And they said, I want you to write out a church that you want to plant, what type of church it will be, what type of ministry it will be, what type of people will it impact, where is it going to be? And I was like, huh. And I began to write out this paper. And I coined the paper, this will be a power contemporary church. And I began to spell it out in detail. I thought it was just a project. I had no intentions of ever planting a church. After I wrote that project, I was in chapel service. It was a little bit like this chapel service. I mean, I had my hands lifted up. I mean, I was just crying. I remember the song they were singing. They were singing, uh, they were singing Hillsong. I'll stand with hands, uh, hands high and hearts abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all. I am is yours. As soon as I sang that line, all I am is yours, the Lord set me up. I remember I was standing in the balcony, and in that moment, the Lord says, you are to go back to Rochester and plant a life-giving church. Now, I'm not as surrendered or as saved as some of y'all, because some of y'all would have been like, yes, Lord, send me, I'll go. I stopped crying. I dried my tears up. I said, now what? (laughs) You want me to do what? Go back to Rochester? That was not in my plans. My plans were to go move to Philly or another city and do ministry there. He says, I want you to go back to this place because I'm anointing you for this city. Your voice is necessary and I will make you a key to the city. In that moment, in that chapel service, I still didn't say yes. I'm not condoning this. I had class right after chapel and I said, I can't even go to class. I went and sat into the deli, and I, and I had a conversation with the Lord. I said, are you sure? <laughs> you mean Melvin Cross Jr., because there was a senior, you want me to go back and do X, Y, and Z. And over, the, over, over a matter of two to three hours, he began to download the details of my tomorrow. And with reluctance and fear, tears running down my eyes, I said, yes, Lord, I trust you. I don't know where you are in your journey of identifying the call of God on your life. I don't know, even if you have the clarity of the why of your life. Some of us are just here because I didn't know what else to do. Some of us are here because you felt the call of God. But sometimes God only gives you pieces of the puzzle. He doesn't give you the big picture. I believe that we are in a season where God is putting the puzzle pieces together. 
and there is an anointing that is getting ready to rise on this group of people. And I'm not just going to say revival. We understand revival is a buzzword. We've been praying for revival for, forever. I believe we are seeing revival now. God has gifted you. He's mantled you. He's called you. He's, 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 uh, he's equipped you to be revival carriers. There will be a day and an hour where they start to testify about Elam, not what happened in the 80s. I was born in 1980. Some, some of y'all wasn't even born in the 80s. Most of the moves of God we're hearing about, we weren't even born when it happened. Am I telling the truth? So we need to do something about that. Our children, our grandchildren, when they open up the church history book, they need to read about a revival that their parents lived through. Am I, hold on, am I talking to the lights or am I talking to revival carriers? I know this is chapel for you. There's sometimes I'm like, I got to go to chapel today. Oh, my God. But it was in a chapel service where God solidified the destiny and the calling on my life. And I believe that even now as I am standing before you, you're probably saying this man talks real loud, but this is Elam. Y'all used to louder. God is opening up your eyes so that you can see a clearer picture of your why. He is, he, he is downloading more details about your destiny so that you will have the next steps to your calling. We are responsible for cultivating, carrying a move of God that my daughters, my grandchildren, your children, your grandchildren will read about. And they will say, my father was a part of this movement. My, my mother was a, an intricate role in this revival. I'm sure I'm about to wrap up because I want to pray and I want us to worship for a quick minute. I know this ends at 12. We got five minutes. I, I've read about Father Nash. I've read about Charles Finney. I've read about William Seymour. I've read about the great revivals of Elam. I've read about all of these things, and it stirs my heart. So I say, God, remember, you are too anointed to be anonymous. God, if you did it before, you can do it again. And if you did it through them, you can do it through me. Is there a willing vessel that would say, do it in me, God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there a willing heart to say, God, I don't know all the details, but I am submitted. I'm submitted to carry your glory in this hour and in this era. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus prayed for you. And you are here because he named you. He assigned who you are and where you are to go. He's placed you here with intent and purpose, and he's equipping you to carry his glory. Ashley, were we married yet when I prayed for Auntie Bonnie to come back to life? We were engaged. If I did not come back to Rochester, I don't believe I would have experienced this type of miracle. My aunt had experienced some health complications, and she 
we got a call to come to the hospital because it wasn't looking good. By the time we got there, she had already flatlined. They said she had flatlined for about five minutes. And in the medical world, that's a long time. I, me and my father walked in the room and they says, what do we do? My father looked at me. I was like, why are you looking at me? And the Lord says, tell them to try again. As they begin to do the work, I begin to pray. The Lord told me very specifically what to pray. I prayed that her heartbeat would match the rhythm that was necessary to sustain life. And I prophesied, I said, you will live and not die. In that room with my Pentecostal charismatic self, I didn't quicken, I didn't pray in tongues. I just laid my hands. I said, live. That woman of God came back to life. No exaggeration. She came back to life. No brain damage. She was still as mean. She was meaner now than she was before. Everybody got that mean auntie. She was meaner before. And she woke up and she came back to herself. She says, I heard you call me back. She lived at least seven, eight, nine more years hitting people with her cane, laughing, all that stuff. Why am I telling you this? There are miracles hinged on your yes. Hallelujah. You are called to impact people you don't even know. Let's pray right now. Let's lift up our hands. I want you to lift up your hands and surrender. Father, we take yes even in this moment. We say yes even in this moment. You have mantled these people under the sound of my voice to do deeds and wonders and works that will be written about and read about from, for generations to come if the Lord tarries. We thank you right now, God, that there is fresh oil flowing through Elam in this moment. We decree and declare that there is a fresh anointing. You are smearing, you are smearing oil and God ability on these your sons and these your daughters. We thank you right now, God, that there is something raising up on the inside of them. And Father, even in the moment of their yes, you will begin to unfold the truth of their tomorrow. And God, I thank you right now, God, not only for a yes, but you would give them a boldness to do the work of the ministry. Even though this world is getting darker, we thank you that the light of the gospel is shining brighter. And we say you can trust us to carry your truth. Hallelujah. You can trust us to carry your light. I thank you right now that even dreams are being, come, being realized. I thank you even in night seasons that dreams are starting to happen. You are opening up the eyes of their understanding. You are opening up their ears so that they could hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. I thank you right now that you are putting fire in their hands and out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. They will prophesy to this generation. They will prophesy to systems of the world. They will speak the truth of Jesus and they will see the change that you showed them. God, we honor you. We love you. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee. 
Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender all. We surrender all. We surrender all. Thank you, Father, that there was a mark in this moment. A yes in this moment that would literally propel us to the place of effective ministry. We love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and put your hands together. Bless the Lord.